Coming to you on uh, Saturday night versus normal on Friday evening, but um, it didn't work out for Benjamin and I to get together last evening. But I knew you wanted, you had asked for Benjamin to share some more um, of our last program and continue on. And so we wanted to make this happen. We just delayed it by an evening, but good news, brother Benjamin is back with us. And so I'm going to bring him on here in just a second and remind everybody, folks, we are at war. The physical war is there, we know it, but it's a spiritual war. We must not forget about it. Many of us have been in trials here lately and our families, our friends. I know that the devil has has been attacking with our family or children and things like that. It's been it's and Brother Benjamin has has had many, many attacks and all that. Folks, this is a war. And our wars, the weapons we use are mighty that God has given us for the pulling down of strongholds. And and we have to exercise these weapons of warfare frequently, often, daily. This has to become a way of life. And so, folks, do not neglect. There is tons of knowledge out there I understand to be gained every day about what's going on in the current events. That's fine and dandy. But if you don't fight the spiritual battle on your knees in prayer with the Lord, in your secret prayer closet, then folks, we were going to lose the battle because it's only in the closet time that we get to know our Heavenly Father's ideas, His desires, His wants for us in life, and we become close and we become under His authority instead of trying to fight this battle on our own. And I just want to encourage you folks, keep on your knees, keep seeking the Lord. Well, with that, I'm going to bring in Brother Benjamin here to the program tonight with us. Brother Benjamin, are you there? Hey, Frank, good evening. Hey, brother, thank you for coming on tonight. I know we couldn't do it last evening, but brother, thank you. That's uh, I know there's a lot of uh, people looking forward to um, to what you were sharing last time uh, on the program on the Son of David and some other things. And brother, I'm just going to ask if you could open up with a word of prayer and and just take this thing and let's go. Mm, amen. And I would ask our audience to pray with us, even if you're listening, it's not a recording. Join in the chorus of the prayers of the remnant of God. Yet a remnant shall be saved, though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea. Only a remnant shall be saved. Judgment decreed, overflowing in righteousness. Prophecy is always fulfilled twice. Though the number of those who name the name of Jesus Christ be as the sand of the sea, only a remnant is born again. Many will seek to enter the kingdom by the wide road and will not be permitted. The end of that road is destruction. The end of that wide road is eternal damnation. Only a small remnant We'll seek to enter through the narrow way. We'll seek to find the Lord through the straight and narrow path. And it is to that remnant that we speak and teach this message tonight. We consecrate it, Lord, 
to the blessings of your people. We pray that you would be exalted. Lord, we must all decrease now that you might increase in each of us. Amen. For Lord, you are the you're the one celebrity in the room. You're the one hero. You're the one who, Lord, you won the victory. And in so doing, you have redeemed us from the power of death. You've redeemed us from the fear of death. You've redeemed us, Lord, unto your kingdom for eternity. Pray, Lord, you would begin to reveal to us tonight a greater understanding of what this redemption really looks like. Amen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, the um the plan of God is to is to build a holy city. God has a, a final plan in mind. And and he desires it. It is the Lord has his heart set upon a city of holiness. And he has his heart set upon a temple in which his glory can be manifest. And that temple will not be made of stone. No, unless you want to consider the people of God living stones. And the Lord is working a strange work bringing to pass an act that, that so few understand. And there's just so much that we could touch on tonight. I just ask the Lord to focus my mind on what he wants to reveal in Jesus' name. And, you know, David purposed in his heart to build a house for the Lord. And, you know, David had a wonderful home. He had a palace and he realized the Ark of the Covenant was still in a tent. And so David, you know, took a vow to build a house for God. And, and in his vow, he, he got a little carried away because he wasn't even going to sleep until the job was done. Well, what David meant by that was that he was going to put his needs second. His desires would be in second place. That... The need and the desires and the heart of God was going to come first on David's agenda. And in the first volume of Chronicles, in chapter 22, verse 5, we read, and, and David said, Solomon, my son, is young and tender, and the house that is to be built for the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent of fame and of glory throughout all of the world. And I will therefore make preparation for it. So David prepared abundantly before his death. And so the, the temple that was built by Solomon, for which David made preparations, was one of the great wonders of the world. It's a type and a metaphor of the house that God is now building. And it's the house that's going to reveal his glory. In Ezekiel, he tells the prophet, show the house to the people of Israel. The house is about to be revealed. The third living temple is going to be revealed in this time. Not too far into the future. 
mystery of God is going to manifest in the earth. God in his people. Even as the wicked are filled with the devils that they worship, so the remnant shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. And David prepared. David really dedicated his life to prepare and to do everything he could to prepare for the building of the, the temple that Solomon would erect. And we too are being called by the Lord to prepare that we might be counted worthy to be among the living stones that will comprise the third temple in the spirit during the time of the book of Revelation. See, most of the, most of the church, and I'm, I'm talking about the born-again church, because they have not prepared, and because they have not, and I'll just be blunt, be, because they have not honored the Lord, in the way that the Lord should be honored. And God deserves honor. Amen he does. And, and he deserves respect. Yes. And he deserves a reverential fear. Amen. And he also deserves our love mm. yes. and our devotion. And, you know, but we're, we're just flesh. We're just dust with a little water mixed in. And if we're born again, we've got some living water in us as well. We're, it's so easy for us to get deceived, caught up with the cares of this world. The thorns grow up and, and our hearts are hard. We've got rocky soil in our hearts. And, and you know, our lives get trampled on by other people and the, the sea gets crushed and it's easy for us to get caught up in the the meaningless things of this world and it takes all our time and before you know it, it you know the days have passed into weeks into months and into years and we have not prepared our hearts and those people, they're not going to see the glory of the third living temple in this realm. Well, they'll be, they'll be the dead in Christ who rise first, and, and we will meet them in the air on the day when the remnant of God is caught up at the last trumpet, and the Lord is in the clouds above the earth, flying over the king's highway on his way to Jerusalem. The dead in Christ will rise first, and the remnant that has survived until the end will be caught up in the clouds. And, and so, you know, we, we will all partake of the eternal kingdom. But, but there's something very special that's about to happen on the earth. And people of compromise are... The people that did not honor the Lord, are, he's not going to share this with them. This is something reserved for those whose hearts are his. And uh, that's what we're going to talk about tonight. The people whose hearts have been prepared for the coming of the Lord. Because, you know, it's very clear he comes in his people before he comes in the clouds. And that's, that is really what 
you know, the, the scriptures testify of. And yet it's a secret. <laughs> it's something that has not even been um, understood by so many within the church. It's a hidden mystery. Yet it's testified in scriptures of truth from the beginning of the book until the end. In the fullness of the volume of the book, the revelation of God in his people, a full redemption, a coming total redemption is God's plan. And that redemption occurs in the 70th Jubilee of Israel. It occurs in the day of indignation in which the year of my redeemed has come. But the, the professing churches who have, who have not put the Lord first, they have never received this wisdom. Because the Lord's about to open the way to Zion. And the redeemed of the Lord are going to return, not just to the wilderness of Zion, they're going to return to the Lord. Aliyah means the return to the land of Israel, but it actually means, the literal translation, is the return to the Lord. Aliyah, we are returning to God. And that is what all of this teaching is about. Yet only a few, there'll only be a few, who will become fully redeemed before the second coming in the kingdom. There must be some that enter in. Hallelujah. So let's open, let's take a look at um, the book of Jeremiah, chapter 30. Hallelujah. I want to look at chapter 30. And um, let's start with verse 5. For thus saith the Lord, we've heard a voice of trembling, of fear, and not of peace. And brothers and sisters, that's what's coming upon the earth. A time of fear. Peace will be taken from the nations. And if for all of the people that are walking in the in the strength and the power and the understanding of the flesh, that are that are walking in the mindset of the knowledge of good and evil, and they're not filled with the Holy Spirit, when this judgment breaks forth. Sheer terror will fall upon the nations and upon the people. And they will lose it. Many, many people will, will suffer nervous breakdowns. People will be unable to cope with the time of trembling that is coming. But those who, are, who have learned to abide in the shelter of the Most High will be kept under the covenant of peace. And, and they will be able to stand in this time when, let's face it, this is the end of all flesh. Now, we've we've got so much to cover, but at the same time, we, we're, I, I don't feel the liberty to take several hours here of your time today. So we're going to touch on a few more things, and then hopefully maybe we'll do a part two of this um, shortly. But in Jeremiah 30, a voice of trembling will be heard in the land. And ask and see whether, does a man travail with child? Can a man give childbirth 
Okay, don't answer that question with the crazy, you know, woke nonsense of the, this age of insanity. In the real world of reality, answers no, men do not give birth to children unless that birth is the birth of the man child. And it's a birth of a spiritual identity that requires the death of the one who's bringing to birth a new life. You can't have two lives. You either live in the flesh or to be completely transformed to the people who are going to walk in the fullness of the spirit, the life of the flesh has to die. And so that process is the travail. Why do I see every man in the remnant with his hands and his loins as a woman in travail and all faces turn to paleness? Sheer fear, the blood drains out of your face. Alas, for that day is great. And there is none like it. That's an incredible reality. What is about to take place on the earth has never occurred before. Satan cast down. The abyss opened. The unbelieving world, demon-possessed by the devils that they've served. The nations and the wicked Cities turning into hell on earth. I think we're sort of seeing that right now. The beginning of it. And yet in the camp of the remnant, the righteousness of God, the light of God, darkness upon the world, deep darkness upon the minds of the lost, and the light of the presence of God growing brighter, shining forth on the foreheads of the righteous remnant that have been chosen for this hour. The day is so great and there's nothing like this that has ever happened before. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. So right on, you know, if you've got Jacob's portion, if you've got Israel's destiny, you know, this is going to be like one of those uh, action movies where it, it looks like there's no hope time. And again, how are we going to get out of this one? How are we possibly going to survive? Who can save us? And from the heavens, the mighty one will answer, it is I who am mighty to save, coming forth to save the remnant of his people. And how he's going to do it is simply amazing. We're going to touch on that tonight. For it shall come to pass, saith the Lord of hosts, that I will break the yoke from off thy neck and burst thy bonds, and strangers shall no more serve themselves of my people. Okay, just want to mention there's an eclipse in April on the 8th of 2024. And in that eclipse, the sun will be completely turned into darkness. And the eclipse takes place in the constellation of Pisces over the exact location of the either the rope or the binding or the chain as it's described that ties the two fish that are captured by the tail so they can't swim away. They're bound to the sea beast, Cetus, which is a representation of Leviathan. And it represents the power, the dominion, the bondage of sin, which the church is still groaning under. 
The people of God are still suffering hard servitude to the prince of this ruined age. And God, in April of 2024, during the eclipse that occurs the day before Nisan 1, the day before the new year begins, has an eclipse that literally shows those chains being broken. And in the constellation of the water bearer, pouring out the water onto the earth, we have the planet Mars and the planet Saturn in conjunction, being poured out on the earth. And Saturn represents Satan being cast down from heaven. And Mars represents war or wrath. For the devil is coming down under the earth, having great wrath, for he knows we've entered the final time. And he is but a short time before he faces eternal judgment. And in the constellation that represents the bull, the immutable will of God, we have the planet Uranus and the planet Jupiter in conjunction. And Uranus represents the unseen things, the secret things of God. And Jupiter represents the will of the king. And the, the bull, of, or I'll use the name Taurus, which is the, the name most people know these constellations by, it represents the unstoppable will of God. And so it's God's will to accomplish things that are unseen in which he's going to break the bonds off of his people. At the same time, all hell is breaking loose on the earth. And that's exactly what Jeremiah 30 verses 5 through 7 are discussing. The time of Jacob's trouble, a time such as never has been. But it will come to pass in that day that I'm breaking the yoke of the enemy from off thy neck. I'm going to break the bonds that tie my people to the sin nature of this fallen world. And I'll burst thy bonds. Strangers will no more serve themselves of us. We will no more be taken advantage of. We will no longer be deceived. We will no longer be under bondage. There'll be no other ruler ruling over us. And then the Lord goes on and he says, but they shall serve the Lord their God and David their king whom I will raise up unto them. Therefore fear thou not, O my servant Jacob, saith the Lord, neither be dismayed, O Israel, for lo, I will save you from afar, and I'll save your seed from the land of their captivity. And Jacob shall return, and shall be in rest, and be quiet, and none shall make him afraid. A voice of trembling and fear will cover the earth, but no one will make the remnant of Jacob afraid. For I am with thee, saith the Lord, to save thee. Though I make a full end of the nations where I've scattered you, I will not make a full end of you. No, there'll be a remnant that survives. But I will correct you in measure, and I will not leave you altogether unpunished. Hallelujah. I will restore health. I'm in verse 17. I will restore health unto you, and I will heal your wounds. And this is Zion. In verse 21, and their nobles shall be of themselves. The, the elders in this time will be from the tribes of Israel, from the people of Israel. And the remnant Gentiles that have been saved with the remnant of Israel, they too will 
actually be grafted into the kingdom of Israel, the commonwealth of Israel, which is the kingdom of God and Jesus being the king of Israel. And the elders and the nobles shall be of the people of Israel. And their governor shall proceed from the midst of them. And I will cause him to draw near. And he shall approach me. And who is this that engaged his heart to approach unto me, saith the Lord? And you shall be my people and I will be your God. Behold, the whirlwind of the Lord is going to go forth in fury. Falling with pain on the head of the wicked. And the fierce anger of the Lord will not return until he's done this and until he's performed the intents of his heart. And in the last days, you shall understand this perfectly. Hallelujah. So I'm going to direct you back to verse 9. They shall serve the Lord their God. After the Lord breaks our bonds and sets us free, we will serve the Lord and David, our king whom the Lord will raise unto us. Okay, that's what I want to touch on. How, how is this possible? You know, is King David going to be reincarnated? No, of course not. It's appointed unto a man once to live and, and thereafter the judgment. You know, the, the promise of the coming of Elijah in Malachi was fulfilled by John the Baptist. It wasn't Elijah reincarnated. It was the office and the position of authority which Elijah had, which John came in. And Jesus he, he clarified this for us himself when he said, if you can receive it, Elias has already come. Elijah's already come. The apostles were like, well, why do the Pharisees say that Elijah must first come? And, you know, before the Messiah can come, and that was one of the ways they were trying to discredit Jesus. They were saying, well, you know, he can't be the Messiah because Elijah had to come first. Except Elijah had come in the person of John. And Jesus made it very clear. He's already come. And they did to him whatever they will. Well, so here within the prophetic writings in Jeremiah 30, we're being shown one like David is going to be Risen, whom God will raise up. They shall serve the Lord their God and David their king, who I will raise up unto them. I mean, that's astonishing. That word in that text is akum, and it means I will raise up. And it comes from the root word kum, to, which means to arise. You probably have heard the song kubi ori, kivayolech, arise and shine, for your light has come. Well, here in the, in the scripture, the Lord says, I'm going to raise up one like David. And the word means beloved, who will become a king. He also refers to this one as a governor in verse 21. He calls him a king like unto David in verse 9. And it's astonishing. This word kum, literally, as it's translated in, throughout several sections of scripture, translates as to be raised up after lying down in sickness or mourning, or to be raised up from the dead, or to be raised up after falling. 
to be raised up after being smitten or wounded. Even as Joseph was raised, he didn't just get lifted up. He got lifted up from prison. He got lifted up from being abandoned by his family, his freedom taken from him, sold into slavery, falsely accused of attempted rape, sentenced to who knows what the prison you know, term was, probably indefinite, forgotten in the prisons of Egypt, and God raised him up to arise after being smitten or wounded. It also means to stand or to be lifted up for a purpose, to testify against something. This is a witness that's being raised up who's going to testify against the world for its wickedness and its sin and its evil. It also means to arise in a hostile sense. And it, it, it implies the idea of suddenness, like in the case of Joseph, right? In the morning, he's a prisoner, you know, living in the dungeons of Egypt in rags. And the command comes down from Pharaoh. He's washed, shaved, he's given clean, brand new clothes. And, and within an hour, he's standing in the throne of the king. And the king makes the decision to basically appoint him as Pharaoh over the land of Egypt. From prison to Pharaoh in 60 minutes. And that's what that's what this word means in terms of suddenness. It also means to arise and become powerful. Well, like Joseph, or like David, or like Jesus. Because even as Pharaoh gave his signet ring to Joseph, so this David, this beloved one that's going to be lifted up and literally being given the throne of David in the camp of the remnant, is going to have the power of the king of kings who lifted him up. It also means to arise, to appear on the scene as a leader, a prophet, a king. And, and this is the same word God has used when he said, I will establish my covenant with Isaac. I will raise a prophet from among the people. When he's referring to Jesus, I will raise up the fallen tabernacles of David. I'll raise up and bless the horn of David. And so this is a picture, not only of the leadership, but of the entire anointed remnant that are going to be raised up and imbued with power from on high. You know, the many people in the, um, I, you know, what do you call the, the church with, um, with a lot of mistakes in their prophetic outlook? Let's call it that. You know, the charismatic. Yeah. The people that are still not, they haven't come out of the deception. They haven't come out of the imagination and they haven't come out of the false teachings either. They all think they're going to disappear, but you know, and, and actually, most of them won't be here. So in a certain sense, you know, um, they are leaving, just not the way they thought. Um, and we'll see them in the clouds if they belong to the Lord. But the truth of the matter is the Lord's coming down and he's going to appear in his people. And that's what this scripture is talking about. They shall serve the Lord and David, their king, whom I will raise up. There's another reference to this prophecy in Zechariah 6, verse 12, where the, the scripture testifies, thus saith the Lord of hosts, 
Behold the man whose name is the branch. He shall grow up out of his place and he shall build the temple of the Lord. Even he shall build the temple of the Lord. Now, when God repeats himself, we know that it's been established and ordained and it will surely come to pass. That's the purpose of the anointed leadership in this time. Even as David purposed to build the temple of God in the, in the natural and was ultimately given, that, that job was given to his son Solomon, so too the ones the Lord is going to lift up, the anointed leadership who is referred to here as the branch. And the word in Hebrew is semach, and it, it literally means a spud, a, a little tiny, a little green shoot coming out of the root of the tree of Israel, Zemach, a sprout. If you've ever sprouted anything, it's a great, it's a great food source to sprout seeds. These little sprouts are nothing. I mean, you know, they're just teeny and fragile and they have no strength. No, they have, they have some good nutritional value, but they, it's just the seed that's germinated. There's there's really been no growth at all. That's the picture here. This branch is really just a little sprout. Boom. But it came forth out of the root of Jesse. A branch shall grow out of his roots. And the root of the tree, this is Isaiah 11, uh, verses 1 and 2. The root of the tree is Jesus Christ. And Jesus the man came forth as a rod of authority out of the stem of Jesse and out of the stem of King David and out of the stem of Mary and out of the stem that was the tribe of Judah. And he came forth born as a man, even though he was God. Well, now a branch, a little teeny, <laughs> a little tiny one is going to come like a little sprout out of the root itself. Well, what's the root of the tree? Jesus Christ as God Almighty. The one seated on the throne high above creation. His loins as if burning fire. His feet blazing, shining brass as if he's been burned in the fire. His face brighter than the sun. His hair whiter than wool. His garments so bright, the light you can't even bear to look at him. His holiness, his purity, and his power, infinite. And out of him shall come a little sprout. And that little one that shall come forth, being born again totally in Jesus Christ, he will build the temple of the Lord. Which temple? The third temple, the living temple, the temple that is going to the temple that is going to manifest the actual presence of God here at the end of the age. And even as Satan will possess the Antichrist and all of the demons of hell, which will be released from the abyss, they're going to possess all of the wicked people. So the world will basically now be totally satanic. You know, it's pretty much get in there already. But in the camp of the righteous, an anointing without measures coming. The total redemption is coming. This mystery has not been understood by the church. 
because they've never entered in. They didn't even know that it was possible. And it, it has been legally possible. Jesus paid the price. The door actually was open, but there was a blindness in virtually all of us that caused us to not enter in fully. But that veil over the minds of the people will be removed in the time that is ahead of us. And this is the, the year of redemption that Jesus is talking about. This is the, the 70th Jubilee of Israel. It's the 10th Jubilee of the prophecy of the 70 weeks as pertains to the city of Jerusalem. And it's the year of redemption. 10 is the number of completion. And the prophecy of the 70 weeks pertains to the holy city. And that redemption of the holy city the completion of God's redemption of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a type and a shadow of the city of God that is coming, the true Zion that is coming down from heaven. And in the real Zion that shall exist for eternity, the people are the vessels of God. God inhabits his people in the fullness of his identity. And we become part of him and he becomes part of us. And it's what we've been called to. What we've been called to participate in. The glory that is about to be revealed in us. Those who've been called into the remnant of this time. And even if you're not, even if you go through the, the, the persecution and the cleansing of the repentance rehabilitation workshop, you know, and even if you you ultimately suffer the loss of your life as a martyr for Jesus. You get born again totally. And, and this reward is waiting every one of the saints. There's just a remnant of people that get to participate in it in this realm before the time of eternity comes. Hallelujah. An actual sealing of the chosen ones an unsealing of the eternal testimony, a revealing of what has been hidden in the scriptures in plain sight. Christ in us, the hope of glory. But as David said in 2 Samuel 23, though he causes it not to grow. This is all of my hope and my salvation, yet the Lord left us incomplete. Well, why? Why did God give us a new spirit when we became born again, when we received the new life of Jesus Christ, when we received salvation? Why did God leave us partially undone? Because our minds were not renewed the day we got saved. Our souls were not redeemed completely many people were were saved and and then the battle began to to sanctify the vessel you know and, and we've all been there you know at first the lord's you know working with you where you're at you know maybe he's telling the drug addict you know we're gonna put the heroin away now you can still smoke your cigarettes for a year or two but let's just get rid of that 
little fix pick and that needle, or let's get rid of that marijuana grove in your backyard. You know, you know, go pray over it and, and see what God does. And in the morning, the entire marijuana harvest had turned black. This really happened to a friend of mine. Wasn't sure whether he should quit smoking. <laughs> had some plants growing in his backyard, so we prayed over them. The next day, they were so dead and so black that there was no question God was saying no. No false spirits, no pharmacon, no sorcery in my house. If you're going to be part of my house, there's only one spirit permitted in. It's the spirit from on high. And this is the eternal testimony of Jesus. Amen. The wonder in heaven. You know, I mean, this is what Revelation 12 is all about, you guys. You know, I saw a great wonder in heaven, right? And um, let me just jump there. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven. You know, this is, this woman is the, the true Israel. This is a picture of the body of Messiah, Jew and Gentile, one in Jesus. A woman clothed with the sun. Her garments are the very power of the son of God. The righteousness of God is covering her. She's clothed with the sun. And the moon is under her feet. Because this is true Israel. The moon is her symbol. She's standing on the moon. And upon her head, a crown of 12 stars. Representing the 12 tribes. Representing the 12 apostles. But also representing the victory that she has won. For having overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil. And being with child, this is exactly the reference of Jeremiah 30. I see men travailing with child. Here, the nation is pictured as a woman. Being with child, she's crying out, travailing in birth and in pain to be delivered. And, you know, women always say you have no idea what childbirth is like. But actually, some of the remnant men are going to get a picture of it. And to tell you the truth, ladies... This birth of the kingdom that is required in, in Jeremiah chapter 30 and in Revelation chapter 12. The truth of the matter be told, the pain of the birth of the kingdom might actually be greater than the natural pain of childbirth. You know, it depends how much is required of each person. Do you know, depending on the greatness of the calling. The greater the calling, the greater the fires to endure. The greater the Trials of preparation. And this burning trial, whatever trial you're in, you know, whatever burning trial is now in your life, it's there by God's design. And this burning trial must be completed. You must let it do its work in you. Nothing may remain of the mind of the flesh. Nothing may remain of the things of the wood, hay, or stubble, which men treasure as possessions. Men seek after things made of wood or gold. All this stuff in the natural. Nothing may remain if you're going to be fully redeemed. Right. Yet only a few will be willing to follow the Lord to completion, to the place of full redemption. And they shall be clothed with garments 
after the order of Melchizedek. Now, we know from the scriptures that Melchizedek had no genealogy, no father, no mother. Abraham worshipped him, and it was not sin. And so who is this king of Melchizedek? Well, Melech is king, and Zadok is righteousness. So this, this man, if you want to call him a man, who he's appeared throughout history. You know, he was sort of like the, uh, what was the, the show? Undercover boss, right? <laughs> he walked with Israel out of Egypt. He came to Abraham's tent with two of his angels as servants. Then he appeared to Abraham as the king of righteousness, and Abraham gave a tithe to him of 10% of all that he had. And Melchizedek blessed Abraham. Well, the king of righteousness, of course, we all, you know him. If you're born again, you know him. He's beautiful. We praise your name, Lord Jesus. Things he's done, things that we've already seen through the, the word, through the work of the Lord over the generations that preceded us. They're nothing short of awesome, and they do not hold a candle to what is about to happen. It says in the book that in the kingdom that is coming, no one's going to want to talk about the exodus out of Egypt. Nobody's going to care about the Ark of the Covenant. They will no longer even talk about it. We won't even talk about that again. Everyone in the kingdom is one. They will want to know about what happened in this time. Tell us about the second exodus. Tell us about the anointing without measure. Tell us about the light and the righteousness of God that came in the camp of the remnant in the wilderness of Zion. Tell us about the great stories of deliverance, how the Lord saved his people when there was no other way. Amen. And every one of us, who are part of the remnant, we will have those stories, how God himself saved us. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. And this is, this is the testimony. This is the legacy of the ones whom the Lord calls my beloved ones. You know, the Lord chose the ones who are being saved. Even as, as, as we choose a spouse, right? I mean, actually, God's people are pictured as his wife. You know, the Lord gets to choose who he wants to marry. Like any man or any God, he chooses the ones that that are, are right in his eyes. And, and you know, it's, it's not because they're great, because he chooses a lot of people that are not great. And, and it's not because they're strong, because in our flesh, whatever strength we had just gets in the way. But, you know, I, I think it's, it's what he sees in their hearts. And, and one, of the, one of the hallmarks of the people that are in this remnant company that are going to see King David or one who, who wears the authority of David appointed as leadership over the camp of the righteous, one of the, one of the criteria, I think, that exists in, in those people's lives that is unique to them is sometimes they cry 
when they hear Jesus' name. These are people who put the Lord first. And, and it doesn't mean they didn't they don't fall. It doesn't mean they aren't battling the same battles every, every one of us is battling. But these are people like King David that would make a vow, Lord, I give you my whole life. I'm not going to rest until I've done for you what I need to do. And, you know, and of course, David fell asleep and couldn't keep his vow. It was impossible. And, and you know, in our own strength, none of us can keep our vows either. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. But that's who these people are. These are the chosen ones. Deep calls out to deep. And truth confirms this truth. For in this camp of the redeemed, it's going to be the revelation of all wisdom and knowledge. It is they who are the third temple that will be revealed. And is that not incredible? That is simply incredible. And this is throughout the scripture. I mentioned Zechariah 6. You know, the Lord pictures the leadership and calls them, calls this one the branch, which literally means a sprout. I mean, this is like somebody that's insignificant. Somebody that, well, even like King David, you know, he wasn't even counted worthy to be presented to Samuel. Samuel comes to Jesse and says, the Lord has sent me to anoint one of your sons as king over Israel. Go assemble all of your sons. So Jesse calls the seven oldest sons. Doesn't even think to call David. Are you kidding? He's just a little kid. And Jesse had seven sons that were great in stature and in power and wisdom and in all manner of things. They were David's brothers. They had the same genes as David, but they didn't have the same heart as David. And Samuel, after seeing all seven, you know the story. He said, do, do you have any other sons? The Lord rejects every one of these. Well, we, there's a little one. We didn't even deem him worthy to call his name. That's the one that got anointed that day. So too is the remnant of Israel. Hallelujah. There shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins. And faithfulness the girdle of his reins. Hallelujah. And in that day, this is Isaiah 11 verse 10. There shall be a root of Jesse. That's the Lord. Which shall stand for the ensign of the people. And to this one shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. Hallelujah. God is about to do something incredible in the earth, my friends. Amen. God gives deliverance to his king, and he shows mercy to his anointed, and to David and to his seed evermore. Psalm 122.5 for there are thrones of judgment that have been established by God. And these are the thrones of the house of David. There's more than one throne of David. 
there are multiple thrones in the house of the beloved of God. Hallelujah. Psalm 132, verse 17. There I will make the horn of David to bud. Let's just look at Psalm 132. Let me jump over there, brothers and sisters. And I hope this uh, I hope this has been good. Um, yeah. Oh, this is perfect. Thank you, Lord. Lord, remember David and all of his afflictions. You know, anyone who's been called to a position of authority, anyone who's been called to a deep walk with the Lord has also been called to endure affliction, that we would learn from the things we suffered. We learn obedience through suffering. We don't learn anything from success. We're tempted to become proud from success. The worst attributes of our flesh are exaggerated from success, either in the physical, the natural, or the spiritual. You know, if you make a lot of money when you're young, I'm telling you, your head's going to swell. If you have a lot of fame, if you have a lot of success, even if you have spiritual success, it isn't until you've fallen, unless a seed of cord falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. So Lord, remember David and all of his afflictions, how he swore unto the Lord and vowed unto the mighty God of Jacob. That's one of the hallmarks of the remnant. They've all vowed a vow. And generally that vow was, Lord, I give you my whole life. Lord, take everything. Lord, help me to put you first always. And uh, Lord, teach me wisdom. <laughs> Great pain is in store for you if you want wisdom. You know, by all means, don't pray for patience. I've learned that one as well. But David swore unto the Lord and he vowed vows unto the God of Jacob. I will not come into my house or go into my bed or give sleep to my eyes until I find a place for the Lord, a habitation for the mighty God of Jacob. You know, David's heart was right, but the, the prophet would tell him later, you are not to build the house. The Lord says to you, David, I will build you a house. And that's what we're talking about. David already had his palace when he made this vow to build a house for the Lord. And I believe it was Nathan the prophet came to, at first Nathan said, do what's in your heart, David. I mean, what a great idea, right? We're going to build a temple for God. I mean, certainly there's nothing wrong with that. That's a perfectly wonderful idea. And the Lord said, no, no, David will not build a house for me. But go and tell him I will build him a house. That's the house that we're talking about the third temple, the true Zion coming out of heaven. This is the house that God promised David. It's the same house he's promised all of us. And what I'm trying to share with you, brothers and sisters, is there are people that are going to enter into this reality before the Lord comes in the clouds. In the midst of the darkest hours in the history of the world, where the scourge of an antichrist on, you know, leading the nations to perdition and darkness never before seen on the planet, the light of the presence of God is going to shine out of a living temple in the wilderness of Zion. 
and the people will eat manna. Oh, yes, they will. And the fire by night, the glory of God by day. This is going to be simply awesome. Simply awesome. Amen. And and look at verse 1, Psalm 132, verse 6. Lo, we heard of it at Ephratah. Ephratah means fruitfulness. It's the other name, the second name for the city of Bethlehem. Bethlehem in the English. We found it in the fields of wood. That was where they went looking for the wood for the ark. The, the prophecy of Bethlehem in Micah. We heard of it in, what did we hear of in Micah? There would be one that would come forth as ruler in Israel. A prophecy unto Bethlehem, Ephratah. The city named twice. Why? Because the prophecy will be fulfilled twice. How? Well, Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem. That was That is the cornerstone fulfillment. But there's a second fulfillment. Because it tells us in Micah that his coming forth is from everlasting, which is Olam, and from antiquity or the ancient days, which is Kedem in the Hebrew. Well, the Lord came from Olam. He came from eternity. The one who comes forth from Kadem has not yet come. And, on, and now when you ask, well, okay, which of the rulers of Israel came from Bethlehem? Obviously, it's the city of David. So everybody's sure King David was born there. But Micah wasn't prophesying the birth of King David. Because David had already been born. It was this prophecy of another David to be raised up. And I really believe this is a type of... It's a metaphor to this entire anointed remnant who are going to become the living temple of God. And he shall build the house. We heard of it in Ephratah. We heard of it in the prophecy of Bethlehem. We will go into his tabernacle. We're going into the Lord's house. We will worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, into thy rest. You and the ark of your strength. The Lord describes this living temple as the place he has chosen to dwell for eternity. He desires to be with his children. He desires to be with his beloved. And there he's going to rest. Let the priest be clothed with righteousness and the saints shout for joy for thy servant David. For David's sake, turn not your face away from your anointed. The Lord swore in truth unto David. He will not turn back from it. From the fruit of thy body will I set upon thy throne. For the Lord has chosen Zion has and he's desired it for his habitation. This is my rest forever. Here I will dwell, says the Lord. For I have desired it. God's been looking for forward to this not just for the thousand years of creation the thousands and thousands of years that the created world has existed the lord planned this from eternity past this is all of his desire this is my rest forever this is where god has decided i am going to dwell here for eternity and it is in the spiritual zion which is a metaphor for the holy city, there is literally represents the living temple of the people of God, filled with the 
overflowing presence of God, the spirit of God without measure, the anointing so powerful. It's like being in the middle of an ocean. It's incredible. And this is what God desires for himself. He wants to take me and you there. This is our destiny. And I will abundantly bless her provision. Listen, if God's called you to be part of the remnant, you don't need to be worried about your provision. The Lord is going to provide. Where the Lord chooses and the Lord guides, he will provide. And I will satisfy her poor with bread. Literally, manna is coming, which will really be kind of cool. I'm looking forward to eating manna myself. And um, But, you know, obviously, we've all learned, you know, from the mistakes in the past, let's not ask for meat, okay? <laughs> I'm going to be content with the manna during the entire period of time Amen. that it is provided. Hallelujah. I will clothe her priests with salvation and her saints will shout aloud for the joy. And there I will make the horn of David to bud. Hallelujah. And that word for the horn to bud, that's the word zamach, and it means to sprout. That's that sprouting coming forth out of the root. And it literally means to spring up in the city of Zion, in the holy living temple. The Lord is going to make the horn, the power of David. The horn is a metaphor representing the power of David as a man, the power as a king. And it, it literally means a ray of light. It's figurative of the power. Well, what was the power of David? How could David defeat Goliath? How could David have done all the things that he did? Well, he had the power of God. He had the Lord with him. He had who knows how many angels were guarding David. He had the presence of the mighty one. And now Amen. the Lord is saying, I will make the power of David to grow again. For I've ordained a lamp for my anointed. And his enemies I will clothe with shame. But upon himself shall his crown flourish. We've been all called to win a crown, to bear a crown, to have a crown as a gift to present to the Lord for the works that were done by the power of his spirit. And that crown is going to flourish in the city that God is building. But remember King David in the natural. When he realized God had told him, you're not going to build the house, David. Rather, I'm going to build a house for you where your horn will bud, where it will spring up. New life will come forth. And the, the ones that are born again in the image of Jesus they are very much the sons and daughters of David because Jesus is the son of David. And if you're born again in Jesus Christ, guess what that makes you? Born again into the likeness of the children of the king. You too become sons and daughters of King David, sons and daughters of King Jesus, on whose throne the inscription reads, throne of David. How much must the Lord have loved David to write his name 
on the throne Jesus sits in for eternity. And that's the remnant that's being called. Amen. David made preparations. He did everything he could to prepare. And so should we. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Frank, um, how are we for time? Uh, whenever you're ready to end, brother. Well, just a couple more scriptures. Isaiah it's Saturday 22. night, I am in no hurry. Okay. Um, Isaiah 22, verse 9. You've seen the breaches of the city of David, and there are many. Well, we we need to close the breaches, you guys. You know, we are so close to the judgment. And I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to start an entire new teaching, but some amazing revelation from the scriptures has come forth regarding the prophecies. And they confirm the lateness of the hour. And we don't have much time left, brothers and sisters, to prepare our hearts and our homes. Hallelujah. Isaiah twenty two twenty. it will come to pass in that day that I will call my servant Eliachim. And um, it, that word literally means um, God sets up. God lifts up. In that day, as God's building his living temple, he's going to call his servants that he ordains and that he lifts up hallelujah and this Eliakim is the son of Hilkiah Hilkiah and Hilkiah means the god of raising the god who raises up his people. I'll call my servants that I am going to lift up and I will clothe them with the robe of righteousness and with the girdle and commit the government into their hands. He shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the key of the house of David will I lay upon his shoulder. Okay, the key of the house of David, that's the authority of the king of the city. God's going to give that to his remnant. He shall open and none shall shut. He shall shut and none shall open. And I shall fasten him as a nail in a sure place. And he shall be for a glorious throne in his father's house. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, if you are being called to the remnant of Israel, you are being called become part of the third temple. You're being called to be a part of the greatest revelation of God's glory in all of eternity. You're being called to be among the company of those who are the first to enter in to the fullness of the revelation of Jesus Christ and to do so in this realm before we transition into eternity future. And the church of Philadelphia is a picture of this company of people to the angel or to the messenger or to the ruler over the church in Philadelphia. Right. These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, and he that has the key of David, who opens 
and no man shuts and shuts and no man opens. So to, let's just read the rest of that um, prophecy to the Church of Philadelphia. Who, Thus saith the one who holds the key of David, I know thy works, and behold, I've set before you an open door. No man can shut it, for thou hast a little strength and has kept my word and has not denied my name. I'll make those of the synagogue of Satan. Yeah, we know who they are. They're on the TV all the time. Which say they are Jews or say they are of the truth, but are not, but they do lie. I'll make them to come and worship before you at your feet. And they will know that I have loved you. And because you've kept the word of my patience, I'll keep thee from the hour of temptation, which is now coming upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which you have. No man can take your crown. He that overcomes, I'll make a pillar in the temple of my living God. This is the exact metaphor of us material of the living temple and he shall go no more out we will never leave the presence of god and i'll write upon him the name of my god and the name of the city of my god which is the new jerusalem which comes down out of heaven from my god and i'll write him my new name a permanent fixture in the living temple of god he that has an ear let him hear the Spirit of God is now saying unto the churches. Hallelujah. And then the next message in Revelation, of course, was to the church of Laodicea. And they are not going to be part of the living temple that will be revealed to the people from the church of Philadelphia. So, you know, with the time that remains, I would ask, you know, all of us, we need to really search our hearts. And we also need to step up our prayer commitment, you guys. I can assure you, the enemy's doing everything he can to keep you from finding time to pray. And I suspect that in many, many lives, he's being very successful. We should all be devoting, you know, if you can do it, a minimum of an hour a day in prayer. And, and if you have the wisdom, it'll be the first hour of your day. Because... You know, the day is entirely different when you begin it in prayer. Then, you know, if you try to pray at the end of the day, well, you know, you've already walked through everything without the preparatory prayer. So, you know, maybe you got that backwards. Um, most powerful prayers should occur in the morning. Hallelujah. That's all I got for today, Frank. Amen. Praise God. That's a, uh, folks, that's a, uh... I would say a fire hose might not be large enough um, worth of information. Um, that's some heavy meat. And thank you, brother, for sharing that with us. And folks, this is really studying the word of God. Okay. the Folks, the New Testament, it's about our life in Christ. And, and there's prophecy in the New Testament. But it gives us that deep insight of, of really to the character of Jesus and, and the compassion, the love, but folks in the old Testament, it's the detailed instructions of the last days. 
and deep studying this book from both the the whole way through is what leads us and guides us through the end. As Brother Benjamin was sharing tonight, these are topics and heavy topics that are we're on the precipice of actually seeing bear fruit fully. And some of them already are bearing fruit. But if we don't read and we don't study, then we're just wasting our time. Honestly, I don't, I mean, I don't mean to be mean about it, but you're wasting your time if you don't actually read and get into the word. So brother, thank you for taking the time to read and study and share with us, hopefully inspiring everyone else to do the same. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We follow him, but it also means we study his word so that we know his will and we get the guidance for the last hours of earth's history. Folks, I, thank you so much for listening in. Brother Benjamin, thank you for a, a wonderful program tonight. Well, I am so looking forward to the return of our king so soon. <laughs> and I am looking forward to the end of this garbage we have all been facing on this earth yeah. day in and day out. I'm sick and tired of it. And you know what? I'm not taking an ounce of it with me. The de- it can, it can all st- I'm be glad to see it burn. Because well, I'm and, going, and let's, let's, um, if I could just do like a coming attractions for our next message. Absolutely. That'd be all right. Yeah. Um, the next thing I want to share with you guys, and this is going to blow your minds. Um, is the prophecy of Daniel 9, the verses 24 to 27, which you know we all know as the prophecy of the 70 weeks. In Hebrew, it's the 77s. And the English translators just grab the seven and say, well, that's a week in terms of a time period. Um, we all understand the weeks represent years, not days. So it's a prophecy of 70, seven-year periods. And, you know, 70 times seven is 490 years. And we know that 49 years is the compass of time for a jubilee. So 490 years would be 10 jubilees. So it's really a prophecy of 10 jubilee cycles. And it pertains to the, yeah, 500 years, yeah. And it pertains to the city of Jerusalem. And let me just read to you guys just one the very first sentence of Daniel 9, 20, 20, um, let me just get there, 24. Seventy sevens have been determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. To finish transgression, to make an end of sin, to bring reconciliation for iniquity, and bring in everlasting righteousness. And to seal a vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Oh, isn't that interesting? Mm. To anoint the most holy one. Or the most holy place. Kadosh Kadashim in Hebrew. The holy the holy of holies. Or the holiest of all holy places. The place where God himself dwells. So, you know, we've all learned that the 77s is, as I mentioned, 70 times 7 is 490. And so that is clearly the prophecy that pertains to the holy city. But actually the prophecy says 77s have been determined upon thy people. And upon the holy city. Well, I'm here to tell you that the prophecy upon the holy city is exactly 490 years, or to be more precise, 10 jubilee cycles. 
But mm-hmm. that prophecy of 77s can also be interpreted as 77-year Sabbath cycles or 70 jubilee cycles, which would be, well, 70 times 50 would be 3,500 years. Um, and that's sort of a, a rough estimate of the time period involved. And that's the prophecy that pertains to the people of Israel from their coming out of Egypt in the Exodus when Israel became a nation following the 40 years in the wilderness and, and their conquest of the land, the people of Israel became a nation of Israel. 70 jubilees have been determined upon the people of Israel, while 77-year periods, 70 Sabbath, 70 periods of seven Sabbath years have been determined upon the city of Jerusalem. And these prophecies are perfectly correlated. Brother, you cannot give any more, more information away than this. Folks, you have to tune in. I'm going to hold him up because I know what's behind this. You're not going to want to miss it. It is a lot of information, brother, because you that is, I, I want this to be a teaser because you got to come back. Brother Benjamin, are you available next week to do this one? Yeah, we got to do this because this okay. is a, this is a life changer. Yeah, so I'm going to I'm going to put a halt because he gets so fired up over this. I know I've already gotten a, a little bit of insight above everybody. We're going to do this one right and it's going to be the next upcoming program. Do not miss it. Um and if you want to do some homework, make sure you just fully understand the jubilee cycle. It's going to help out if you're not familiar with the jubilee cycles. You know, it's a very mm-hmm. simple concept often misoverlooked when counting prophecy the jubilee year. Exactly. Because the Gentiles don't think in terms of the the Hebrew calendar, which has seven Sabbath years followed by a 50th year or a jubilee. And the proof of that is the Feast of Weeks, where we count seven Sabbaths. And on the 50th day, which is Sunday, we call that Pentecost. And that was after the Feast of First Fruits. We start counting from the first Sabbath. and We count out seven Sabbaths, representing those seven Sabbath years. And the Feast of Weeks is a remembrance of the Jubilee every year. It's part of our, it's the summer feast between the spring and the fall holy days. So, but Amen. Yeah, in summary form, the prophecy of Daniel 9 also is a prophecy of 70 Jubilees, and they fit together perfectly, and they confirm just how late the hour really is right now. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Folks, do not miss next week. You are, This is going to be exciting. Listen, take what you've had to, tonight. Pray on it. Seek the Lord. Don't take any man's word for anything. Find out what God himself says and do that. This is Brother Benjamin and Brother Frank on the Remnant Call. Send everybody good night and shalom. Trumpet in Zion